What's going on, folks, and welcome back to another episode of the Knicks Wall Podcast. I'm your host, without my Cortez this week, but Kyle Maggio, as always. I got the fill-in co-host today, Sean Geddes. What's going on? Hey, glad and honored to be here, as always. And we have one of New York's finest on the beat, Mike Vorkanov. What's going on, my friend? I'm good, man. I didn't know Mike wasn't going to be here. I'm, I'm, I was only going to do this thing if he was here. No yeah, disrespect, yeah. Sean. Yeah. You know, I, I tried to do the little uh, bait and switch on you, you know, just got you to agree <laughs> to, to get you in, and then we, we sabotage you with Sean, so. <laughs> uh, uh, no, I'm happy to be here, guys. We're, coming, we're doing this after a big Knicks win. That's rare. It, it's, it's, ra- it's rare, and as I said to Sean moments before you hopped into this Zoom chat, I said it, it especially felt good, uh, even though it was – off the backs of, uh, you know, Alfred Payton and Julius Randle. But specifically for Julius Randle, just felt good to see somebody be very dominant in a Knicks uniform for once because, he, I mean, he was on fire last night too. But it was nice, a lot of rebounds, a lot of assists. He was just doing a lot of the, the point forward stuff Fisdale teased and then uh, tragically could not put together. So it was nice to see him come out the gates hot to start the year uh, and, and just really have a good game. And the other thing I said, you know, it was against a good team. I know it's the beginning of the year. It's the third game of the season. You know, reality probably doesn't mean much, but felt good to see a, a big performance out the gates from him and against a, a good team generally. So we'll take it. Yeah, funny. The funny thing was, I was I was actually thinking about this last night. It's uh the first three games. I mean, especially last night too. Kind of um, small sample size vindication of 2019 free agency for the Knicks. You got Julius Randle, like you said, he was you know, Fizz in training camp last last whenever that was it was like we're gonna play him at point forward let him do his thing and didn't quite work for fizz and mike miller but tom thibodeau is actualizing alfred payton 27 and 7 i think uh it's looking good i for one was blown away um and not only was it against a good team but it was against a defensive player of the year i mean he really had Giannis looking like he couldn't handle him and i kind of knew that was going to happen like Giannis used to struggle with noah Vonley a little bit so <laughs> <laughs> I knew that Julius was going to have a field day. It is spooky hours for Defensive Player of the Year, Giannis, right now. Uh, <laughs> an, an absolute decimation from Julius Randle. Just a, a master class on how to bully uh, this fraudulent MVP. But, I mean, wow. look, it, yeah, I mean, that, that was <laughs> – Jesus. I, I, I got I to take my wins where I can. You know, I'm never going to be able to use that line ever again. It was a one-timer. It was a total one-timer. But, but – I, I backtrack, but and I was nice. I mean, even RJ, at least, you know, uh, on a lesser note, I like that he had a, a pretty decent bounce back. He's been playing pretty good all around basketball. Uh, still a little bit inefficient the last couple of games. Obviously, Ben Simmons had him in Rikers, uh, but it, w- it was good to see, you know, 17, 8, and 4 last night as, as he responds. You know, that's what he's going to have to do. He's going to get his ass kicked still. Uh, seeing him bounce back against, again, what is a good team with a lot of good perimeter defenders, that is the Milwaukee Bucks. So seeing him, you know, still struggle to shoot a little bit. He's got to hit those open threes. But otherwise, like him putting together another pretty good all-around performance, I thought was pretty good, especially after that Sixers game. So I enjoyed that as well. He had a, uh, he had a kick sorry, out to Burks last night. Oh, I'm sorry. 
he had a kick out to Burks last night that like made me want to stand up and cry. Like it was such a beautiful pass. So like I'm really just enjoying watching him expand as a passer, like as a shot creator. I don't know if you noticed it. I mean, with quickly out, and I, it's, it's, I think it's clear that um, Tom Thibodeau doesn't quite trust Nilakina or um, Jared Harper yet. Um, and he gave the offense kind of to R.J. Barrett there at the start, end of the first, start of the second quarter. Like he played him the first 16 minutes straight of the game, played him with Burks in that um, three wing backcourt kind of with Reggie Bullock or whoever else. And R.J. was like, creating he was the guy running I don't even want to call it point guard I think like we're getting too attached sometimes to positions like he was the guy who started the offense and started actions and sets and he looked good like you mentioned that past Alec Berkshawn like that was a really good find by him he's finding creating his own shot he was like muscling Pat Connaughton a few times there getting into the lane and for a baseline jumper um I don't know if the three-point shot will ever come like just straight up, I don't know what's going to happen to his jump shot. I think you'd be crazy to say it'll go one way or another, but he does these other things, using his body, his IQ, like that that creates shots for him and for others. And I think that's kind of the optimistic view of what's going on so far for him this year. Yeah, I think a lot's made often about, look, shoot, shooting, I complain about all the time with this team. And it's obviously the most important thing that he needs to work on, right? But the easiest way for him to get better was just for him to simply make more shots around the rim and make more free throws. And then instantly, it looks very rosy for R.J. Barrett because it, look look how – that's how his season has gone so far for the most part. He's not really hitting threes, but he cleaned up the percentages just just a little bit, and already he's at 17-7-4 out of the gates with the total stinker that was the Sixers game. So it's like just the fact that he's able to do a lot of these little things, you know, in addition to cleaning up the percentages, is going to be like where – he's going to be able to learn to eat over the next couple of years. I think, you know, the, the three, four percentage as bad as it was last year was 32%. Like if he's just respectable, they'll come out at, like, that's all you really need them to do is just come out onto him from deep. So if he's able to keep just creating like this, that's like a threat in and of itself is that you can't ever really totally commit because he's going to be able to use his strength and then muscle his way into the lane, kick out to a shooter too. Like that's going to, how we, you know, in the short term, that's going to how he, uh, he has to find his successes a little bit. And I don't think he gets enough credit for how he uses his body. Like, from us, he does, of course. But I don't think the rest of the league or, like, other fans. But then again, we're the Knicks. But, I mean, like, he made Chris Middleton look pretty small on that spin move. Like, he, other than Ben Simmons, he has no problem muscling guys for the most part. Like, any matchup he has, I'm kind of confident in him as far as his strength, using his ability to get to the basket. That's going to be him. Yeah, I mean, he, he bullied Old Depot a few times, I think, in that first, second quarter. He tried doing that with Ben Simmons. Yep. That didn't work out well. Um, <laughs> but, you know, Ben Simmons is a different type of dude. Uh, yeah, he was a little better against Middleton, like Pat Conton, like those types of guys. He'll have more success. And, I mean, that's kind of the statue limit. Not, that's kind of the level of limitations for him is, like, some guys he's just not going to be able to pull that off up against. And if the Knicks ever get to a playoff situation, like, maybe that's where you'll, you know, kind of start getting into a hairier, you know, situation with RJ. But, like, just seeing his career kind of improve a little bit, that's going to be interesting to see. It was just how he uses his body, how he basically finds the spots on the court that he can score from. And it seems like the post and kind of that elbow is going to be good for him. Uh, if he can get a little more consistent with the jumper, especially. Yeah, I'm just glad as a whole, Thibodeau has been empowering RJ in that sense. Because I think for, I don't think fans really had lofty expectations for Thibodeau or this Knicks team in general. I think that was the general consensus for most of us across the board, even most of us that were optimistic or any of us that were optimistic. So, um, but just seeing Tibbs just do a couple of basic things like start Mitchell Robinson, 
you know, looks like he believes in Emmanuel quickly when he's healthy. It looks like from all indications from things that he's been saying when he's, uh, you know, speaking with you guys, Mike, it, it sounds like he's eager to get him back to some degree. At least that's my read on it. You know, it's always like, hey, when he gets back, you know, he's going to be kind of ready to go. You know, it's a, it's a, that was one of the quotes I saw. Like he's, you know, he should be good to go basically once he's back. And it just seems like he's eager, to, obviously, given the point guard situation there. Um, but so there's that. Um, just making sure RJ is more of a focus. In the offensive game, like you said, as an initiator, it's not really a point guard or point forward, whatever you want to call it, but just simply initiating the actions, just creating, just letting him kind of run with it a little bit. And uh, we've seen that early and often. So it's like bare minimum competence, I feel like, over the first couple games is my takeaway. Like, it's nothing great. They still lost a couple games, but it's like, okay, like I can get on board. If they're losing games and like RJ's a playmaker now, like a, a more featured playmaker, Mitch is finally starting. It's like, you know, Randall, he's cleaned up some of the, the issues that fans have long had with him, you know, at least in the early small sample size theater that we're in. So it's like, I'm on board early. It's hard to be, aside from the Alfred Payton saga, right? I, I feel like I have few complaints, very few complaints. Yeah, I mean, I guess so. I don't, I, the Alfred Payton thing, um, I'm a little less, I, I guess. I don't know. I understand why he's starting Alfred Payton. Alfred Payton deserves to start. Like, on this, um, g- given this situation, yes. But he's on the Knicks. Like that. Yes. I, that given this roster, yes, he deserves to start. Like Emmanuel quickly looked nice in the preseason, but like again, it's preseason, and he played a bad Cavs team and made a big run in like a fourth quarter blowout or what you what was a blowout, and then just like that second night, the Cavs were out of like the Canton charge, you know, backups basically, like. Um, I'd like to see it in a real game. And if he plays well and they're like, he earns the minutes, like, yeah, you, you bring him up. Um, yeah, but I, I do think it's interesting just kind of how much everything just looks a little bit cleaner, a little bit tighter, a little bit more fluid this year for the Knicks compared to what they were trying to do last year. With kind of almost similar personnel. I think Alec Burks has really been a nice addition so far. Certainly um, off the bench. And I get now why he's coming off the bench as opposed to starting, even though he's probably a better player than like Reggie Bullock, which is his skill set just works a lot more because you're not having Randall and Barrett and Peyton on the floor when, Bar- uh, when Burks is. And so you need him to create a little bit more. Uh, I'll, I'll be interested to see like, you know, five, 10 games in when teams get the scouting report and start adjusting to Randall and to Barrett, how that Knicks offense looks. But so far, like spacing looks better. Uh, ball movements, crisper, like everything just is a little bit just faster and, and more fluid than it was last year. And, it's just, it's so nice to have like a real coach, you know? And some people were so upset when Tiz got hired and like just seeing the way that we came out against Milwaukee is going to make me, I'm confident enough to believe in us in every game. Like I won't be giving up on any game before the game now because there was a clear game plan and it was executed. Like they were walling the paint. There were like three guys coming. They were playing screens differently whenever he was involved. And it was very consistent from quarter one through quarter four. And that, like, if that's a different coach, like, if that's last year, we just come out and hope for the best. We hope some shots fall. We hope they don't hit them. They get out in transition and they kill us. But, like, the, we had an actual game plan and we followed it, and that in itself is refreshing. I'm, you know, the Alfred Payton thing, yeah, he deserves to start. You know, I won't even get into it. We know how I feel. But um, otherwise, I honestly don't think that Reggie Bullock should be playing anymore. But that's my own personal. I don't even think it's well, personal. Why not? I, I think that Frank did his job better than he did. 
I think that if Frank shows that he can come oh, out. Okay. Well, but, you, you got to see Frank hit threes consistently. Like, I, I, he bokes like oh, career 37% from three. Okay, okay, but beyond career 37% from three, what is his next 3.3%? Probably like still under, better than Frank Nilakina. Yeah, he, yeah, he's I'm gonna, under 30% as a Nick. Look. I, like I, I, I'm just, I'm not, I'm not gonna, t- I'm not gonna take my chances on Frank Neal. I'm, look, I'm sorry. Last night was very. Look, I, I do want to get to Frank on this podcast for a second, okay? Frank was enjoyable last night for all the reasons that we've ever said he could possibly be enjoyable, which was we know he's gonna play defense. Literally, all we have asked from Frank as a lottery pick is to just make jump shots when he's open in the NBA. That is it. And then what did he do last night? He made three point jump shots when he was wide open. So, yes, after years of him not really doing that, it was enjoyable to see him do it. I enjoyed it. And it, you see how better they can be, like how much better they are with simply having another wing slash guard who can shoot. So I'm glad he did his job for a change on one side of the ball last night. It, uh, it, it's, it's good that with all the money that they've been paying him, he finally decided to play offense a little bit last <laughs> night. So I, I'm, I'm glad that my eyeballs got to see that, even if it was brief. But I would like – look – Ideally, you yes, you want the young guys to start emerging that way, but I got to see it a little bit more from Frank. He's been in the doghouse. He didn't play the first couple games either, so that should tell you something a little bit too. That Tibbs didn't even want to play in the first couple games. I got to see it a little bit more. Is, when IQ and Rivers come back, like somebody's getting bumped out of the rotation. So I'm not necessarily saying, hey, take Reggie out, give the minutes in the starting job to Frank. But I'm saying that when there's a list of people who are going to get bumped out of the rotation when IQ and Rivers come back, I feel like Reggie should be higher on that list than Frank is. You know, you know what I can't believe I'm going to say in this, this podcast, which you guys probably won't be able to believe this either, but over, over with th- this, this Frank idea that you're proposing to me, I think Kevin Ox has earned those minutes. I, I can't believe I'm going to say – I know, okay? But listen, I, I got to give him credit. I, if he's playing better off the bench – he deserves the minutes. This, there's, this team is not very deep. If somebody's going to emerge, then they got to get them, whoever that person is. Kevin Knox has decided he wants to be awake this season on defense. I'm watching him not totally snooze. I, he, he knows where to be. He's contesting, uh, especially near the rim or uh, in the post area. It, again, small sample size, but he's playing like he knows his NBA career is in jeopardy, which is good. It's a wake-up call. and I have enjoyed that. He's been hitting some shots. So, I would rather see Knox a little bit more, to be honest with you. Frank, I just feel like we know what he's going to – it's going to end up being 6-3-1 and one and, and on whatever percentages that are not really going to change a whole lot. But Kevin Knox, if he's going to be that big, that size, defending like that, you now have my attention a little bit. Let's see what else you could do with it. And I think with Knox, the upside is his shooting. Like, he is – he has the potential to be a better shooter than most guys on the roster right now. And, like, if that jump shot is falling – and it's been kind of coming and going so far. But, like, if they can get it to fall consistently, I mean, he's, what, the second best three-point shooter on the Knicks? Like, you need that in that lineup, especially coming from, you know, maybe a big wing type of spot. I, I don't know where they'll play him, whatever. But, like, uh, if they can get that to go consistently, like, that's, that's how he gets his minutes. He, and, like, the Knicks need that. Like, you're going to need – you're going to win games with offense. Like, I think we should kind of dispose of this idea that the Knicks are going to try – are going to win with defense. Like, nobody really wins with defense anymore. You win by scoring a lot of points and, you know, keeping the other team to, like, 105, 108, whatever. Um, and the Knicks need to get to that, you know, 110, 115 every night somehow. I've been screaming that on this podcast 
Sean knows this. I've been screaming this on this podcast for the last year. Everybody always screams at me about the defense, the defense, the defense. Kyle, what about the defense? This guy can't start because the defense. This guy isn't that good because the defense. Last year under Miller, they ended up being league average. Like they were hovering like league average, middle of the pack territory in the Miller era for defense. And that was with a ragtag, not good roster last year. You know what I mean? I could care less about the defensive performance when you can almost walk ass backwards into being middle of the pack with most rosters. You know what I mean? Just, I mean, I won't always, go that far. They're always <laughs> bad because they're always the absolute worst team on offense. The absolute worst. Yeah. So I, so this is why, like, like you said, I, the defense thing, I could, I could care less. Like unless until the offense is figured out, I really could care less. You know what I mean? Like they're going to always get outscored. Like I, I would say the, the one spot where it does matter is kind of like at center and your bigs more so. Um, like those are the guys who are going to anchor the D like you need a rim protector. You need someone who like when people do get beat or just kind of like, you know, be the guy who's there in the rotations and, and guard yeah. the lane and all that. And I think that matters. Um, but you can get away with subpar like wing defenders and, and guards if they can make things happen for you on offense. Like that's just the, but also when you're a team like the Knicks, like those are just the trade-offs you're going to have to make. Like you don't have perfect players. You don't even have a lot of good players. You're like, you're just, making the you know there's an opportunity cost to playing everyone so you just pick the ones you want yep that's very true and yeah like Knox definitely I don't want to sound like I'm married to Frank getting the minutes like Knox definitely Frank like Brian said it on Twitter to me earlier like Frank and Knox could easily get the Bullock minutes I just you know I feel like both of them have been playing pretty well and I honestly I feel like we think that Reggie plays well because like we said he's a career 37 percent three-point shooter but like when you really evaluate what he's doing on the court, he's really not being that guy. Like, when it gets kicked out to him, I'm not like, okay, that's good. Like, Alec Burks, I believe in it. Every time it's going up because he's hitting them. It's not really happening with Reggie. I do like I mean, he might he might work his way out of the rotation, too. I think the one thing Tibbs is committed to is, like, if you're earning your minutes, you get them. If you don't, uh, you get cycled out. So we'll see what happens, you know, about, like, five, seven, ten games into the season. I think he's still in kind of evaluation mode. Um, because, you know, the regular season games are going to prove more than practice or preseason. So we'll see kind of what adjustments he makes for the rotation in the next two weeks or whatever. My question to you, Mike, right now is for this Mitchell Robinson situation, he's starting right now. I'm enjoying that he is starting. Knicks fans are enjoying that he is starting. Is this, is this it, though, with him? Do we think this is finally – it's his job to lose? Like, because it, it felt very game to game, right? Heading into this, it was like, all right, you know, might be, might be Noel still, might be Mitch. Are we finally, finally committing to Mitchell Robinson starting at center? Like, are we finally doing it? I, I think so. I mean, I think he's just better than Noel, right? Um, he is. I think that's Simply. that's why he's got the job. Like, they have the pretty much the same skill set, but like Robinson is just better at doing those things. So unless like he regresses, uh, unless he has you know his foul troubles just really spike, I think he he keeps the job for the rest of the season. I mean. Um, he's a better player and the Knicks really just also need to see what they have with him. Like there's a long-term question too of like, can you commit eventually a multi-year contract for not insignificant money to him somewhere down the line? Like they're gonna have to make that question either uh, answer that question, either this upcoming off season or the one after that. So yeah, I, I think we'll see him there. And I think like they're going to have to get some answers. I'm, I'm very excited because it does seem like he's got the job. It seems like he's pretty solid. He played 35 minutes last night. Mitch doesn't often get the opportunity to play 35 minutes. 
Um, I think he had less than three fouls, too, against Giannis, which is a huge deal because Giannis gets foul calls for being Giannis. So, um, he played him well I, last night. He, he drew really a foul did. on Giannis. He, he did a great job. So it's, that's really encouraging to see. And on top of that, Nerland's Noel minutes really are starting to bother me. And I know it's a short like sample size, but he's almost been inept offensively. So it's kind of stressful, like on simple plays. And then even when people swing the ball to him in places where they shouldn't, but he's not really a threat. So I'm excited for Obi to get back so that we have like less of those. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's what it comes down to right now is I think we got to look at they're, they're, they're thin, you know, Alfred Payton's going to get minutes because they're, they have nobody like Nerlens Noel is going to get minutes because they have nobody. Like this is, this is what it is. But uh, yeah, I mean, hopefully Obi comes back, uh, I mean, I think it's seven to 10 days with the calf now. And then however long it takes him to work back after that, that they keep talking about, but, um, you know, quickly too, I think we, we of course want to be back, but yeah, the, the Noel thing, I, I, he doesn't bother me as a backup, to be honest with you. Like, you know, Frank needs to not throw him the ball in the mid range for him to shoot a jump shot. That would help, uh, as a, as a guy that people want just, you know, play more minutes because his passing and how smart he is. It's not smart to give Nerlens the well the ball there, so don't. Um, that would help. But, yeah, I mean, he's a fine backup. I don't know. I mean, I, you got to live with some of that stuff. That's why he's going to back Mitch up. As long as Mitch is getting the big minutes, like, that's – my main concern is I just got to see the young guys doing – you know, being put in positions of – you know, ways that they could uh, succeed a little bit more, and then I can deal with the other stuff. Like, if quickly he's playing big minutes behind Alfred Payton – Hopefully he takes a starting job, but like I can live with that because I know the plan is to get quickly a buttload of minutes. If Mitch is finally going to start after two wishy-washy years of them saying they want him to start, but then him never starting and playing first teams, like, yeah, I'm, I'm glad he's finally starting. I can deal with the backup minutes from Noel. RJ's finally a bit of a playmaker. I can deal with some of the other stuff. It's like, you know, this team's also the bar is hell. We got to take our wins where we can. But <laughs> I, I think Noel's a fine backup as a whole. But, yeah, I would prefer him not shooting jump shots and catching the ball in strange places either i think they'll play small too some of the time when Toppin comes back <clears throat> they were doing that in india and like in the preseason i think they want to do that because they you got to find like 25 minutes for obi Toppin somehow um that's going to come at the cost of noel it's going to come at the cost of mitch uh some point down the road i mean to me it's like i'm going to be much more interested when Toppin comes back how they um i don't know use him a little more efficiently like i was just surprised to see him stand outside in the perimeter so damn much the first five games I I was that I was surprised, um, but I was like also a little bit excited by that weirdly because I was like, all we spent the summer doing was being like, man, if they could just move Julius Randle or bench him for a stretch four who would shoot threes to space the floor off for RJ Barrett, <laughs> then I would be happy. So then it was like I didn't expect it to be Ob right, but I was like, at least like they get it right, at least like that was the plan. At least the idea was we're going to get him and then he's going to shoot more threes. So, like, I don't want to only see him do that. I'd like to see more come with his minutes and his role with this team. But, like, the fact that they're at least starting with, like, look, we want you to be a big that shoots threes if you're wide open. I was like, I can get on board with that. I can't complain yeah, you know, too much. I, I agree, but I just, like, I guess the the thing that I find weird about that is that they're not utilizing his best offensive traits when they do that. And, like, I, I don't think – I think he ran – two pick and rolls as the role man in the opener. Like they're not running, they're not having him dive to the rim in the lane. Like they're not having him pass out in the mid roll. All those things that we thought he did best at Dayton, 
Like, he did a lot of post-ups at Dayton. You don't want to see a guy post-up in the NBA unless he's super elite. Like, I'm fine with the Knicks just dropping that from his arsenal. That's a good thing. Um, but, like, all the other ways that they use him inside the perimeter, I don't think we've seen that from him too much. And maybe part of it is just because the Knicks just don't have a point guard that you can run pick and roll with a lot, and so that hurts Toppin. And that was the thing that I, I think we all kind of realized when they drafted him anyway. But you can't just be having him stand on the perimeter most of the time and then catching and shooting 30-foot threes or kind of, trying to beat out closeouts like he's a wing um i just i get part of it as the development aspect too but i you gotta i don't know you just gotta utilize him to do his best things right away too yeah no i, I agree i would like to see yeah. more of him in a short role because he's an excellent passer so i've like, been surprised by that he's a really good passer i didn't i didn't see that coming passer. yeah like he passes well the doubles he passes he makes that opposite cross-court pass well he makes it a little too often but he makes it well for the most part. He makes outlet pass as well. So I definitely – and then, I don't know, I just want to see him be more aggressive. Like, yeah, you don't want to see a guy post up every possession, but if you do run a pick and roll with him and they switch it and he's got a smaller guard on him, like I want to see us get that to him quickly and let him attack instead of like – I feel like he, ha- he looks for the pass first. So he'll have a guard on his back and he'll be looking at who he's going to pass it to instead of, okay, like yeah. make this drop step, get around this guy, and then when the defense collapses, then look to pass, but, but look to score. I hope it's more of a comfort thing, though, you know, because um, obviously he was touted for his scoring coming in. That's why they took him. So I hope it's just more of a comfort thing right now where he's just like, look, I'm just trying to not come in and be like, like, take up too many shots, you know, from day one. And you know what I mean? I think it's just it's a good mindset to have. But I agree with you. I'd like to see him, you know, as the season goes on, get a little bit more aggressive. But, you know, to Mike's point, it, might, it also might just depend on the guard situation, because I felt in the preseason and again, Every time it comes up, we have to say it's the preseason and the competition they were playing. But, you know, just in those minutes that they had, you know, like the quickly RJ Toppin trio out there, like it was very obvious that the ball was flying around. Like, you know, Obi was doing more like on the move kind of stuff. And it's like that's sort of how we as fans envisioned it. It's like, yeah, look, if you get a halfway decent point guard who's just fast and can dribble, a, you know, dribble and shoot a little bit. Uh Things make a lot more sense with these other guys. It's a lot more space for RJ. It's easier, quicker decisions. You know, you get Obi on the move, Obi in transition. It's like, you know, just downhill kind of stuff. And it's like, I enjoyed that. So I do think a lot of it is the guard situation. I'm hoping once quickly is back, things start to, you know, make more sense, look a little bit more like that. But uh, I do agree with you. Yeah, he's got to do more than just shoot threes. I, I'm all right with that being part of his, you know, package. But, yeah, uh, some of the enticing stuff from the preseason was – you know, he was making a couple of good passes. We saw him making a couple of good kickouts and when he was on the move. So things like that need to happen a little bit more. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. I think part of it too is who he plays with. Like when you're on the when he's out there on the court with like Mitchell Robinson, Mitch is the guy who's in the lane. He's the guy who's kind of in that dunker spot. And so I think the spacing gets a little bit harder to do all those things for top. And with Randall too, they kind of have to go in and out basically perimeter and put uh post. We're on the floor. So I'm sure they'll get that figured out. Like, I think the good thing about Tom Thibodeau and I get kind of the apprehension when he was hired. um, I think the questions with him are kind of more like long-term franchise building, but on a night to night basis, like he knows what he's doing. Like he's one of the smarter coaches in terms of figuring out tendencies of his own team and the other team. So I like, I think he'll figure that stuff out. And I will say, I do get caught up in it, but I like the angry timeouts. I I like, I love, look, I I love, I love, look, it's pretty funny. Look, it's it's funny, but also, as a, as look, we're all like fans, you know, a little bit deep down. It's like, yeah, you know, sometimes if like 
somebody misses a rotation, it's good. I love seeing like him be just as angry as I would be. It's so stupid. Like yeah. from a from a fan point of view, saying <laughs> I love I love that he's screaming at this guy because I'm also screaming at this guy. So we're both doing it together right now. Me from my TV, you in person. We're both screaming the same thing at this player. I like seeing guys be held accountable. I get caught up in it. I, I like that. I love the timeout, and then he immediately finds the guy. He's like, hey. <laughs> Every time. It doesn't matter who. I've seen, like, three or four different guys get got already, and it's beautiful. I love it. It's, it's Tim's account- culture setting. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, the accountability is a game changer because it's like, you know, last year that same thing would happen, that same rotation we missed, that same pass wouldn't go, and there was, there was a coach on the sideline with a smile that wasn't saying anything. And it was just continuing and that perpetuated until it became exactly what we were doing. So it's like now he, he sees something he doesn't like, he calls a timeout right away, gets on that guy, and that guy's less inclined to go back out there and do that. And if he does, he's on the bench. So, like, it just makes a huge difference. Like, it seems so simple, but, like, it is. The way I look at it is, like, you know, the thing about Tibbs is that he's always watching film, right? Like, you go into the, sure, the Knicks facility at 11 p.m., you know, like, on a Saturday night without a game, like, Tibbs might be in there just breaking down film. It's, like, the same thing. He's, like, listen, I understand we're up 25 in the fourth quarter and there's four minutes to go, but I want you grinding and intense out there. So, he just, he, like you said, expects that same accountability from his players and, like, he just wants to make, let him know he's on their ass. And, like, if you're going to miss up, miss something, mess up in the fourth quarter, you just can't go – and kind of put on like you know, on third uh, on the third I forgot how third gear. There we go. Hey, look at that. Uh, sorry, my my brain is broken. I'm a father in a pandemic. Um, <laughs> yeah, he just he wants that same level of like accountability and intensity from everyone that basically he has, which I think is good for the Knicks. Like they tried it the other way for two years, it didn't go so well. Yeah, no, you brought up a really 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 good point though because fans they complain a lot a lot a lot about tips, and my reaction was just like. And Sean, you know, I was just like, all right, like, I, I could care less front office, coach, players, who they bring in at this point, like, just be good at the job that they're hiring you for. It, it could be a first year guy, it could be a 50 year experienced person, I don't really care, just whoever the name is that they pick, just please be good. Like, it, it doesn't matter anymore. I'm not moved by Leon Rose, the power agent as a hire or by Thibodeau as a hire, but I was open for like, just what you, we keep pointing out, just bare minimum, like, competency to help start building some kind of culture like you said they tried it the other way but this is to me the the pro side of it the tips thing was that that culture building aspect because there's like phase one coaches and phase two coaches like you said the main thing with Tib was like we don't know if he's that phase two guy in the end but he might be a really good phase one guy maybe it wasn't about when now maybe it's just like win more with Tibbs and then he just sets the baseline a little bit more uh you know it's it could the easiest relation is like the Mark Jackson thing in Golden State like sometimes you just need like a bare minimum okay coach to come in get guys straight get guys heads on the right way playing a decent brand of basketball and then if it doesn't work out doesn't work out but at least now you have something you got somewhere some progress was made you know so that's the way I'm trying to look at it like if he could just get them to be like back into the 30s mid 30s of wins you know I'm not saying this year but you know in the next year or so you know that's like a reasonable you know Build, build some wins up. The young guys start to look better. Like, RJ's accumulating more of an all-around game. Like, you're doing stuff. You know, you got the ball rolling. Like, let's let's see what happens now. Yeah, I mean, the Knicks just need to win games. Like, I'm not saying they're going to win 40 games this year, 36 games, and finish 500. Like, they just need to start winning games. You can't have another 17-win season or be 4-18 and 18 in December um, like they were the last two years. And, like, Tibbs will help you do that for sure. 
And if you get to the point where you start wondering, uh, you know, this is year four and is he the right coach to get you into the, you know, past the Eastern Conference semis or the finals or whatever, like, you know, that's a luxury problem to have. But that also means he did his job the first four years and got you to that spot. Uh, so I would kind of put those concerns, you know, I don't know. Just it, it's not that big of a deal. Like you can make coaching changes in the NBA. And I know we're getting ahead of ourselves. But like the Nets kind of did that, right? Like Kenny Atkinson, perfect coach for them for the first three and a half years, three years. And like if they had to make a coaching change, it happened, right? Like that's what teams do in the league. Yeah, like I I never really understood the whole overreaction of like being upset about the tips higher. I think that, you know, some people just need things to be upset about and the Knicks kind of exactly what provide happened. that. Yeah, so, but I mean, I was like, okay, he's a good coach at the end of the day. Like, you can't, that's kind of indisputable. And I knew two things. We would play defense and people would be held accountable. And that's honestly kind of what's most important in phase one. Just like we said, the angry timeouts, getting on guys. So, I really like that. And like I said, after the Bucks game, seeing him have an actual game plan. I can't remember the last time that the Knicks came out against a really good team. And I saw the, the game plan was clear. Like, okay, this is what we were doing tonight. And this is this is why it worked. I don't remember the last time I saw that. So just that, I mean, like you said, the bar is hell. But hey. I'll, I'll say this too. Like, and I know part of the bad rap he got and maybe part, part of the apprehension towards the hire was like his Timberwolves stuff. But like, you know, I really reported on that. Like, I really looked deep into it. And when I came out of it, I, I started thinking better of Tibbs and just how the Timberwolves stint went for him. Like, the problem there wasn't Tibbs the coach. It was kind of Tibbs the GM and making some decisions, going all in on Jimmy Butler and maybe some Jimmy Butler trying to push their buttons a little bit in a way that should have been foreseeable but wasn't. But, like, that's not his problem. That's not his responsibility. That's not in his purview anymore. Like, that's not something that can haunt the Knicks. Like, and he's a really good coach. And I think I, think I wrote about it at the time, like, even then, his third season, if maybe Jimmy Butler didn't blow things up, like, Internal analytics predict them to be like a 55-win team, right? Like, if that season plays out and they win 55 games, Tibbs might still be there, and everyone looks at that whole situation differently. Yeah, I, I think the GM situation probably doesn't get talked about enough. I think And it's not just, Tibbs the GM. Yeah, Here. yeah, it, exactly. So that that's what always kind of got me. Like, I always more just look back at, like, uh, the Bulls situations and not really, like, the rosier parts, uh, no pun intended, but uh, <laughs> the, the those, like, those, like – struggle years after Rose got injured and he had to keep like slapping together like role player after role player to like yeah. step up and fill in and okay well now we're the four seed now we're the six seed like whatever they were every year like just trying to find another guy pulling like a rabbit out of his hat to like make something happen the John Lucas's the Nate Robinson's and I was like honestly man I've seen him do enough with enough like weird <laughs> players and have to like tweak the system enough there where I was like he can do some stuff. I don't know if it's going to be the exact stuff I want, but it seems like it works. Whatever it is, he finds a way to make it work. So, what? Like, like I keep saying, whatever. We we tried some of the the young coach stuff with Fizdale, gave him his first chance. It didn't work. I I wanted it. I wanted it. I I I liked Fizdale. I touted the numbers from Memphis. It looked like a good identity play. They were going to play smarter, faster basketball, more threes. Never happened. You know, it's like I'm I'm fine with it. I'm fine with it. I don't know. I, I just – I don't know how people could be annoyed with it, you know? It just seems like a lot to to be annoyed about. You have to, like, really hone in on a specific issue with the Timberwolves when, we, when like, you know Andrew Wiggins sucks, right? Like, that's the other part. We, we know. So then so then we have to, like, pretend that while Tibbs was there, Andrew Wiggins was actually good and he wasn't, you know? So it's like then – I don't know. It's a lot of – I don't like it. I don't like it. I understand that he has some flaws, but I think he's a perfectly fine coach. 
If a guy can take a backcourt of Aaron Brooks and John Lucas to the playoffs, he can be my coach. <laughs> Anything <laughs> is possible from that point. I mean, like, come you want a playoff series with Nate Robinson as a starting point guard. Like, come I on. mean, that's magic right there. Like, right. I don't know. I don't know what else there's to say about that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then, like, Carl Towns went two months without winning a game of basketball last year. And are we still going to blame that on Thibodeau? Like, let's stop. Sometimes players got to play, man. That's, my, that's the other thing, too. I know we always think, like, the, the coach or the, the GMs magically solve things. But, like, players got to play. End of the day. Like, you, you get paid money to play. Like, that's, that's the job. If you're Carl Anthony Towns, who I love and respect and will always – be a big, big, big fan of and want him in the Knicks jersey. But, like, you got you to play. Like, he's too talented. Like, the other thing, too, is he was touted uh, as, like, the, the monster two-way guy, right? And then we got one way from him mostly. Like, we, we saw some defense, but it was, like, not really enough. Like, he, not enough for what he was supposed to be touted to be, especially when they got Jimmy Butler there. So, I don't know. Just say it. A little fraudulent early career activity from uh, Mr. Towns. <laughs> If you ask me, uh, I'd like to stop that conversation so we can get to the more important part of this podcast here, which is our buddy Mike has a new podcast. And I'd like for you to tell the listeners of the Knicks wall what that podcast is and what it is about. It's uh, the Long Twos podcast. Going to talk about the Knicks a little bit, the NBA, um, some other random things. I don't really know. We'll see where the conversation goes. I figure there might be some interest and overlap amongst the people who listen to this podcast. I cover the Knicks. You guys like the Knicks. I'll talk about the Knicks. Why don't you listen to both podcasts? There's a logic there. I think there's a logic there. I don't know. Makes sense. Uh, <laughs> I mean, if you, if you read The Athletic or follow me on Twitter, I, I think this is the uh, Venn diagram podcast for you. So I'm just saying. Appreciate you guys letting me plug it here. It's not a problem. Guests lined up. Yeah. We'll see how it goes. I'm looking forward to it. You're an excellent follow. So I, oh, thank you. I, I do got to say this. I used to do the Long Twos podcast a few years ago, and I just kind of stopped it. I just, I ran out of time. Um, and I had Luke Cornett on it once. And I had, this was, when, I think, whenever his first year here. And I was, he's like, what's the name of the podcast? I was like, it's The Long Twos. He's like, why would you name it after Long Twos of all things? And I don't want to tell him, like, <laughs> well, it's because, you know, I cover the Knicks. You guys you lead the league in the Long Twos, like, every season for the last five years. <laughs> I think he kind of understood the inefficiency of that podcast name. But, um, but I let it go. I, didn't, I couldn't do it to his face. Oh, that is that is good. Uh, I, re- I respect you withholding that from him. Uh, probably would have been too much for him to bear. So, <laughs> Luke Cornett's a nice guy. He was taking it in stride. He shot threes. He was fine. He was an analytics friendly player. He, he did. Uh, so, shout out uh, number two, the Nick and Dub Nick legend Luke Cornett. Uh, Once a Nick, I think. I think his mom was actually a, a very loyal follower of the Knicks wall while he was here. So, shout oh, out. Oh, really? Him. Yeah, the the whole Cornett family. I think they were. They were staunch retweeters of us. They were uh, every time Luke Cornett hit a three, I could count on them to have a nice quote retweet. So it was very, very nice. Uh, the Should Cornett I have family on the pod. Very, yeah, very nice family. So uh, you got to you got to tell me at the end of the year who the most like uh, excitable family member of a current Knicks player is. Like you got to see who that turns oh, out to be. Yeah. So right now, actually, we have an early runner. This is actually an excellent topic. Uh, right now, it's Obi Toppin's a, a, a maybe aunt. There's a lady who. Uh, Sean, I don't know if you noticed this. Uh, she, every Obi Toppin post, we, or for a, a vast majority of them that we posted, we have a quote retweet from her saying like, "That's my nephew!" Mad exclamation points, <laughs> and, or, or something like that. Like, yeah, like yeah, like go Obi, 
it's anti, like something like that. And it's really endearing and it warms my heart. I don't know, obviously. That's very that they're kind. Actually yeah, it is. I don't know if they're actually related. I would assume that nobody would lie like that, obviously, because that's, <laughs> it's kind, of, that's kind of like a crazy specific <laughs> angle to take on a lie. So I'm just going to assume that that's his aunt. But, um, you know, early run, I got to go find the, the account now and the name to correct this hair uh, for not having it on this podcast. But that's, You got to have her on the podcast. Just tell some young Obi stories. That, that is true. That is true. We we gotta we gotta identify this woman and get her on this pod. So. Use this platform for good, man. Like utilize your powers. This is true. This is true. We gotta do that more. Uh, I mean, hey, look. I mean, we. I like to think the the Knicks listen. I like to think the Knicks listen. I, I I shout about a lot of I shout about a lot of things, and I like to believe they went back and reported them to Tibbs so that this season specifically went the way that I could at least enjoy it to some degree. I, I said, when Tibbs was initially reported, I was like, as long as RJ is a playmaker, as long as Mitchell Robinson starts, I could give less of a shit what happens this season, to be honest with you. And then what happened? Immediately got those two things. Immediately to shut me up. I, it's, a, it's a ploy uh, by, by big Knicks to shut me down in my complaining, but I will take it. I will take it. Yeah, I'd like to know. Kevin Knox. What's that? Uh, oh, and Kevin Knox. Also with Kevin Knox playing. And on. Kevin Knox. Yeah, yeah. Shutting him they're kind of just shutting Kyle up all around. Like. All angles. All <laughs> angles right now. I have I have no more hills to die on. I, I am firmly dead on every hill, every which way I look. So, uh, Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm kind of interested. I wonder if Tibbs is like a podcast listener. Uh, I feel like he, if he listens to like the game tape when he's breaking down film, or like the announcer's calls, or if he's just got a nice podcast on. Maybe he's listening to you guys. I'd like, yeah. I'd like to believe they dabble. You know, not not like – not regular listeners, right? But like, things aren't going right. But let's just let's just take stock, right? Like, we all have phones. We we all know where the podcast apps are, even Tibbs. But like, you probably just take stock. Like, let me just search Nick's and just see, just see what a couple of things that are that are popping up. Turns it on, and he hears me screaming about Alfred Payton. He's like, "All right, man, I got to start this quickly, kid." And as soon as he comes <laughs> back, I, I guess that's what I'll do. And you know, we'll see. Uh, yeah, I feel like Alfred Payton watched me on post game pouting after the Sixers game. I don't often feel like I was watched, but the way that he played <laughs> last night made me feel like he definitely saw me saying that I don't want him playing anymore. I think the way to do it is like to really check this is like throw in some really random, random ass ask out there just to see, and see if it happens. Then you know what happened that they listen, right? Like, so like, man, we need like 15 minutes from Jared Harper one night. And if it happens <laughs> and you're like, all right, we, we got, we got Tibbs. We know he's listening to us every week. Uh, like you don't need to say it publicly, but in your head, you'll know that Tibbs is a listener. Where is yeah. you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's a that's a good route to go about it. Uh, it this you know it would have worked better the last couple of years uh, if if they were listening to us, but you know it is what it is. I can only hope that Tibbs is a man of technology and of science, and that he trusts the data here. So we'll see. But um, man, I I don't know. All I keep thinking is uh, these are manual quickly minutes. I'm going to. Like that's all that I need this rest of the season is Emmanuel quickly minutes. Like, like he's getting twenty five minutes a night if he's healthy, right? Like he's get like, I feel like all he needs is like three good games, three good three good games, right? And then it's like irrefutable given this guard situation that that guy probably has to start. That's all that I want to see. Like Mike, what's the over under if you had to guess, right? Assuming that he's a he he can passively do some of that passing and shooting that we saw in the preseason. Get could you give me? A range of games you think it would take him to overtake the starting job? Totally hypothetically. Totally your gut. Um, I don't know if he'll, if he'll get that starting job. 
Unless he's I, I think he's gotta do like I know, I know. Um I just think those first two games are probably kinda like the worst that Alfred Payton can play. Um and he's not gonna be twenty seven and seven. So I'm not gonna say that's Alfred Payton either. But I don't know. If quickly can shoot, if he starts shooting better, um and shooting with more volume, then I think that there's something there. And then he has a chance, I think. And if that's a, you know, if Tibbs is serious about rewarding the guys who play the best. Yeah, I think if he comes out and he's firing from three and he's hitting, it's it's only a matter of time before you're like, okay, this guy has to be in the lineup because not many guards can fire from three and hit in the Knicks uniform. So, and I just love the way, you know, some of the issues with the pick and roll we've had, not that he's some pick and roll maestro, but, you know, the fact that he's a threat in almost every way, you've got to come, you can't go under it, he's going to shoot. He can get you on his hip, he can get that little floater up, he draws fouls really well. I just really enjoy watching him play basketball. So like Kyle said, I'm excited to see him come back and get those 25 minutes, like whatever it takes. And and Tibbs wants the volume three-point shooting from him. That's the thing he's been asking for and wants to see more of. And, you know, if he does that, if he start, I mean, I'm not saying he's going to be a 42% shooter like he was at Kentucky, but like if he gets to just be like 37%, you know, if he's really as good a shooter as they say he is, um, and if you can provide that for him in passable defense, then he also makes a better fit in that starting lineup because you can put all the facilitating responsibilities on Randall, on Barrett, um, and you kind of space it out a little bit more with Quickly and with Bullock and with, uh, with Robinson running the lane, and you have Peyton and Burks off the bench kind of doing the creation. Um, so it could work. I mean, we got to see, right? Like right now he's just kind of like a preseason fever dream for a lot of Knicks fans, so you got to see what he yeah. is in the real season. Uh, yeah, I, I don't see him to play. Like, I obviously I would want him to start given because I'm a crazy person and I don't need to see much given what is currently the next guards. But um, I just got to see him play big minutes and I'll probably be fine. That's it. Because that was my complaint, obviously, in prior years when, like, they would draft a Frank to be point guard and be like, yeah, well, we'll play him maybe 20 minutes and then half those minutes he's on the wing somewhere. And I was like, what What, what was the purpose then? We could have drafted a different guard. Like, I. Why, why do this? This doesn't make sense. So as long as it's like, hey, we drafted a point guard. He's, he's going to play like 25 point guard minutes. I'd, all right. I don't really, yeah, but really care. I think you'd play like Cade Cunningham YouTube clips at point guard over Alfred Payton. Like, I think that's where you're at right now. <laughs> yeah. Look, you got to shoot, Mike. You got to shoot. I can't do this. I can't do this every year with another guard starting who can't shoot. And then I'm like, ah, it could be worse. And then like the next year it gets even worse. And then we lower the bar. Like I look, I understand Alfred Payton is a is a perfectly regular mediocre NBA player as a whole. I just don't think he fits. I, I it's hard for me. It's hard for me. I can't do it. Like it's it's hard. By the way, if you're if you're uh, already into like checking Tankathon every day and you're worried if the Knicks miss out at number one spot, uh, Jalen Suggs is nice. Just saying. I just oh, want Jalen Suggs is nice. So nice. Yeah, if they so nice. if they can get a top five pick like and and they just draft a guard that's that's literally that's all that I'm asking like just get get a guard be top five I can live like just don't just don't draft another like forward next year that, that's all that I'm asking don't get top five. yeah like let's let's not like just let's do the right thing for once right like you're taking a couple offensive swings just let's just keep it going final, final piece of the puzzle people. just a just a point guard who can shoot the basketball that's what I'm willing to see what the quickly thing uh, comes to this season but yeah that I can't do this anymore with the, with the starting guards who can't shoot. It's it's too much, man. My heart hurts too much. <laughs> yeah. You can't you can't uh, win man, without man. you can't win without good point guard play, especially good point guard play that is is not shooting the basketball. So it's 
And when a lot of your creation is coming from your forward, he's got to be able to kick it out to his guards. So Julius is going to be having the ball in the, in the post and in the middle. He's, I mean, Alfred was three for three the other night, last night. So, you know, woohoo. If he, I said, if he keeps doing that, I'll gladly say I'm wrong. But, like, he has to Just keep, gotta doing, keep doing it. Just got to keep doing it, yeah. I don't think that's going to happen from the 20% three-point shooter. But, I mean, like, it's yeah, it's tough not to have it. But in regards to the draft, I keep telling people, it aged a little bit poorly because Kawhi got a concussion. But the Mavericks are not a playoff lock. Oh, God, with this again. They're not a playoff. Sean, you got to let this go. You got to let it go. They're going to they're gonna sleepwalk in, even with Fat Luca. Fat Luca is going to get them to 500 in these first 10 games, and they're going to sleepwalk in. I'm, I'm begging you to, to let, I'm begging you to let this go. I'm begging you to let this go, man. What are you just, are you playing for the number 11 pick, right? Is that, is that the goal here? Look, I mean, look, I, I don't have any hopes of the lottery being kind to the Knicks in any way. But I would prefer for that Dallas pick to be lottery, especially because I don't really want to be in tankathon mode all year. Like, I want to enjoy Nick games and want to win. Yeah, but so it's top like, 10 protected, right? I think. No, that's in t- 23. This I know. I thought both were. No, this year's fair game. All right. Fair game. So when they miss the playoffs, we're in there. <laughs> all right. I take it back. Well, either way. Uh, so unprotected or not uh, i i don't see this I, I, I yeah i'm kind of tending to uh yeah it's, it's, it's i, I don't, it I don't a, think you're gonna get very far with it, this dream it, it would take an insane amount of unfortunate events for the mavs to to miss out in the way that you're speaking i just i need would you to look at an come. insane amount because it would take an insane unfortunate event of having their number two out until february and then it only luca's already limping i don't wish injury on anybody but if he sprains an ankle they're in trouble i mean he, he was he was limping as they beat the absolute dog shit out of the clippers yesterday i i yeah i don't know what happened yeah really well they, they woke up and chose violence yesterday is what happened uh <laughs> luca luca heard you you thought that they were gonna were not gonna make the playoffs he he heard you clamoring for that pick and he was like you know what i have to remind sean today on, on this sunday of all day the lord's day i have to do this he had to go out and put the clippers down like that just to send you a message so yeah that was uh, oh you're right like, 2021 pick is unprotected yeah so so look, I, obviously, I would hope that that it works out, but it's just I I can't. I, it's one of those situations for certain players when they start to do enough all around, where you're like, all right, well, that guy running that team is going to be generally this good, and that's where I feel like we got to. This is not. It, it's to me, they were too good last year for us to even pretend otherwise. Mm, they were a seven seed. They were the most efficient offense ever, Sean, with a second year and player still leading a the seven way. Seed. And oh, he's only going to get better, even when he's fat. Like, I, I think we got to let this go. He looks like a whale out there right now. He was a green whale yesterday, just wreaking. I mean, what are we? I, I will not be are... out here for the Luca slander. This is my cue to get off this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> like, I love Luca. I think Luca's amazing. I just don't think that Tim Hardaway Jr. as your second best player makes you a good team. And be... that is what they are right now. So on, on any given night, he can be facing a team that's better than him. The Suns are better than them, and the Suns beat them. The I, listen, second. listen, I'm not in on the Suns being better than me. Let's slow down, okay? The Suns, the Suns had a good finish to the bubble, and as much as I am way in on Booker and Aiton, and I like CP3, I don't think we can go. Everybody's doing this whole we're penciling the Suns in to be the four seed. Let's, let's slow it down a little bit. For, what did they win, 29 games last year? Wait, what makes the Mavericks better than the Suns? What makes the Suns better than the Mavericks? You're arguing that Chris a- Paul oh and, my, Char- and Char- a okay, superstar we're, we're, next to him. Okay. 
He was a five seed with the with the Thunder with a 0.7% chance to make the playoffs. We give Luca all this credit for taking like Chris Paul is a, a guy who actually does that, who makes his team better. He's got a better team next to him. I just don't see like when we really look at things objectively and stop putting Luca on this, he's a great player, but like great players only do so much and they were a seven seed in the conference where teams got better. So I don't know. So on that note, the last point that I would like to get to on the Knicks, we can pivot off, we can pivot off me and Sean disagreeing about the Mavericks for an eternity because I will never, ever agree with this take of his, and he will never agree with mine. So we just need to see how this season plays out at this point. The last thing that I wanted to touch on, though, is we know the Knicks have a number of veterans on this team, and fans, as always, like to claim that as soon as any one veteran does well, we can then move them for a first-round pick. My question is, are the Knicks actually going to be in shopping mode this season in a way that they were last year? And if so, are guys like Alec Burks really going to be on the move? Because that's basically where we're at. He has a couple good games. He's now going to be the first veteran people are talking about. We've already have our mentions loaded with, well, you know, he got moved for, I think, a second rounder. So if he's going to play this well for the Knicks right now, then maybe he could fetch a late first. And I mean, I, I don't know where you're at on any of this, Mike. I don't. It's probably too soon for most of this, but this is always going to be the conversation while they're bad and any one vet plays good. So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. Let's see if uh, he continues to average 20 points per game or some, you know, something near there. But uh, I guess also let's see how just like the general NBA season goes, I guess. Um, uh, you know, let's see where we are in March. Um, but yeah, I mean, they should obviously consider he's got one year deal, right? Like, you know, um, I, unless they really think he's a part of their long-term future. Like I like Alec Burks. Does that mean you then want to pay Alec Burks and whatever? And it's basically the same Marcus Morris discussion um, from last year. But yeah, I mean, if they can, I, I don't know if they can get even like some seconds for him, you should do the deal probably if he's not part of your team. Just it's pretty simple. Yep. Pretty much. Um, I was going to be in asset acquisition mode right now, but um, my, my thing is just don't expect the, the first round picks are not going to happen almost ever in these deals. I feel like, you know, like it's going to take somebody playing extraordinarily good. Like it's going to take like a Randall needing to be playing like this for like a month or two. And then a contender going like, Oh, okay. We got to get him right now out of New York. So we could help us, you know, put us over the top. So it's well, like, I, I mean, the other thing is like if the 2021 draft is really this good and teams really value it that much, I would think that makes them less likely to trade their 2021 first rounders too. Right. Yep. So maybe then if you do get a first, it's, and then, you know, like, well, what if 2022 or 23 is the double draft? And it's like, then it just becomes a first round pick with a lot of protections and something you might either not get for a while, or just like, is one of those things where it's, you didn't get it for four years. So it becomes three seconds and you have three seconds of the 2026 draft or something. Um, I think that Burks, I mean, you know, who knows if he keeps playing at this level, but just, on what he's showing us, I think that he can get us a first at the deadline. I mean, not like a top 10 pick, but I think there's some contenders sort of like the same way the Clippers did last year. Um, it is a better draft that teams probably value more highly, but at the end of the day, if it's a contender and they need that wing shooting and wing scoring, I feel like they'll be willing to pony up the first round pick. And I feel like if we're in that seat, we kind of have to take it because like you said, he's on a one-year deal. So it's kind of crazy to like turn down a first round pick. That's bad asset management. So um, I'd be open to it for sure. Not that my opinion matters, but yeah, no, we'll see a uh, long season, obviously, but every time somebody plays well, that's the first thing that we start seeing is the fake trade proposals of, well, you know, 
now now we can go get a first from whichever contender is of course going to hand the next one for Alec Burks because that's what happened last year so obviously it'd be nice but we'll see what happens uh, all right uh, I think we've touched on most bases so far and also Dwayne Haskins just got released by the Washington football team which is a wow. that was yeah that was wow. not even an NBA note but wow is right so uh, there's that but we're gonna head out so uh, just make sure you guys are subscribed and following this podcast make sure you're going to subscribe and follow Mike's podcast the long twos make sure that's why uh it's a great no, name. I mean, it's a, it's no, a good I'm, name. I'm here. I'm, I'm here to talk about the Knicks with you guys. I'm a fan of what you guys do. Of course, of course. But we just want to make sure that people know that they got to subscribe <laughs> to the Long Twos podcast. So and to make the sure Athletic. You, and to the Athletic. Uh, you should be reading that if you haven't already. It makes you smarter. It is uh, proven, and they always give out very nice deals that help you afford it because it really isn't that expensive to begin with. Look at me. I'm promoing your own company for you. This is excellent. I'm just saying, yeah. I mean, listen, it's not that pricey. This either it was like four ninety nine a month, I think. Uh, lunch normally. money. Lunch money yeah. for for a month of reading. Think about that. You can buy one bag of chips today for Athletic for a month. It's very simple. <laughs> That's an, it's a lot of knowledge. It'll help you in those conversations where you're speaking on things you don't know anything about because you can read. Yeah. So make sure you're also following and reading the Knicks Wall. You're reading thenicksball.com. Um, and that's basically it. Uh, you know, I don't think we got too much uh, besides our regular features coming out. Uh, nothing crazy. No new apps at this moment in time. Appreciate you guys uh, supporting the shop during the holidays. Uh, and uh, we'll talk to you guys next time. Take it easy. Adios.